0: happens when all things come together and what can only be described as perfect chaos.
1: Welcome back to episode five of the Perfect Chaos podcast. It's Rhonda and David. This week, we are going to be taking a look at digital equity. So this is something that people have been looking at and talking about in education for years, but the implications and effects have been brought to the forefront of educational topics since so many people have had to move to different styles and formats of teaching and relating to our students. There are certain aspects of equity that we've had in mind for years as teachers, and now we are seeing those same aspects that we were thinking about in the classroom become things that have to be discussed for not just in-person teaching, but virtual, flexible hybrid teaching as well.
0: All right, we're back for another week. And today we're going to discuss digital equity, as you just pointed out. So uh, this is a really interesting topic, uh, at least I think. And uh, I don't know that it's really made a lot of attention. It's, it's been around for a little while as we've discussed it, but it's really not played that much of a role in large-scale discussions before last March when coronavirus started to adjust the way that we've taught.
1: Well, and what's interesting is, you know, when you look at digital equity, I mean, basically it is equality across digital platforms, um, that everybody has access to the same opportunities, the same types of equipment, the same tools, um, the same resources. So in the past, when people have talked about digital equity, we tended to talk about it kind of on a big school level, right? Um, school to school within districts, school system to school system across states. Um, that was what we were looking at when we were talking about digital equity. And it really didn't happen until March that we started going, Oh, wait, (laughs) we can't talk about just school to school. We've got to talk about person to person, kid to kid. Um, So it's been, as somebody that teaches educational technology, it's been very interesting to watch kind of that switch flip on. um, And us to go from thinking of it on more of a global scale down to an individual student, but also to start seeing people recognize, excuse me, recognize, uh, acknowledge that, Sometimes it's not even just the tools. Sometimes it's the knowledge of how to utilize those tools. Um, and that can be as big of an equity issue as anything.
0: So kind of tie this back to uh, a, a couple of points. What is digital equity? We, we subdivide that here in just a, a minute, but what is digital equity?
1: So the old school definition would have been something along the lines of making sure that everybody had the same tools. Um, And like I said, a lot of times we looked at that across school-to-school within a district or district-to-district within a state, Um, that we didn't have, let's say in a large district, one high school that had five computer labs and one high school that every student was given a computer. And that was kind of the initial thought process behind digital equity was that we needed our schools to be equal uh, or equitable ac- across the, the district, the state, the country, that kind of thing. Um, what it is morphing into, or maybe self-actualizing, if you want to think of it, uh, if you want to give it humanistic tendencies, I guess, is this concept that not only is it school-to-school, that we have the same equipment or access to the same equipment. But also, you know, what are our students, what do they know how to do? What are they bringing in? And then what do the students have? And the teachers. Um, One of the things that we learned in March was that (coughs) across the board, um, P12, higher ed, it didn't matter. Uh, We had some equity issues going on. Um, and it wasn't just students and it wasn't just teachers. It was across the board. Uh, and that ranged anywhere from equipment to access, um, internet access, you know, around here, that one was huge was internet access.
0: This is something that we've actually talked about, uh, with within our own house. When we all came home, it wasn't just you and I, it was you and I, and, uh, and both our kids and, one of the things that we found is I was still in the classroom teaching. You were still in the classroom teaching. Our kids were still utilizing devices for their studies as well. Alyssa, Alyssa going with uh, her her high school work with her AP classes and still staying uh, in the college classes she was in as well. Brayden, uh, doing Brayden things, as he playing video games <laughs> and stuff, but also re- uh, researching it. What we came to find out is, is there were issues within our house. So we're, uh, what you're talking about is just... Uh, access to things such as the device. What is the device? Whether it's a computer, whether it's a tablet, whether it's um, uh, a platform such as Canvas, uh, Blackboard, D2L, um, Google Classroom, Zoom, etc. Uh, and then the backbone and the architecture to support all of those devices. Uh, making sure the bandwidth, you know, does everybody have access to high speed internet that can support one or two or three multiple streams within the house. Uh, And then even beyond that access to troubleshooting and access to repairs, access to making sure that those systems work and, and whether you have a a preschool K-12 or a a kindergarten student that's trying to get on a zoom and understand it, do the parents, uh, have the support they need in case they don't understand. All, right. All kinds. I
1: mean, and and no lie, um, I I have nightmares about trying to teach a Zoom class to kindergartners, um, and trying to troubleshoot Zoom for a kindergartner that can't read. Like that. That's kind of an issue. So, um, one of the things, and, and I've kind of in my mind, it's in kind of four separate. You had digital equity as it relates to the students, the pa- teachers, and the parents. Um, and I'm specifically using those three groups. I'm not uh, I'm not adding administrators in there. They could be added, but I really am looking at your major, like the stakeholders. I'm sure somebody's going to email us and say they're mad because I'm leaving out administrators. But the people that are doing the day-to-day process of teaching. Um and administrators are part of that day to day, but they're also majorly doing the day to day process of administrating. So that's why I'm, I want to look at it as students, teachers and parents. Um, and it just, you know, it's amazing. You and I grew up with computers. Um, we were part of that first generation to really grow up with computers. Um, you know, my grandfather's proudest moment i think is that he bought me a commodore 64 computer when i was two my
0: my first experience my father would bring home his military laptop at that point in time which was almost as big as the uh the table that we're currently using in our podcast studio as we uh continued to upgrade we, uh, we had two uh five and a quarter inch floppy drives and a full uh, size QWERTY keyboard that folded down with a green screen and then he went to the hard, local hardware store in Southern California we lived uh, we, where we lived and purchased an Atom computer uh, because it was on clearance for $300 and everybody corrects me when I say that to an Apple computer. No, it was an uh, Adam but, but then. A, but, a, but an Apple computer doesn't exist for $300, and uh, no, yeah. it was actually, you can actually go back, and it was basically a word processor with some games, uh, but we had to, we we did, uh, so uh, those were my early experiences.
1: Yeah, you know, and we were lucky, because we both were. of our families, um, you know, my grandmother, when she was alive, granddaddy loved to tell, loves, he still loves, he's still with us, uh, loves to tell about getting me that computer. Um in fact, when I finished my doctorate, he took credit for it because he had bought me a computer when I was two. Um, I'm not real sure what that had to do with writing my dissertation, but we'll roll with it.
0: Um, you spent a lot of time on the computer. and
1: I did spend a lot of time on the computer. Um, and
0: to use a Commodore correctly, you had to be able to type. So
1: There we that go. That's direct correlation. We'll, we'll give him that one. Um, but my grandmother, he used to say that all the time, and she would look at him. And she would say, um, I think it has more to do with her being intelligent, mm. not that you gave her a computer to play the face game with it, too. <laughs> but we were lucky because our families um, bought in, I guess, if you want to use that term. Are adopters, yes. To, to technology. Yep. Um, uh, and that has bled through for both of us ever since. Um, my husband is very fondly by my mother called the gadget man. Because if there's a gadget that's new, he's got it, I swear. it. Yeah, it's just funny. One of his happiest days of his life was when the phone company we used to be with announced that you could do iPhone for life, and they would just keep trading them And every time a new one came
0: out. So, so we'll go ahead and toss this out there. And, and that individual cannot claim that uh, because she typically has those devices before I do. It's really a race between the two of you. I don't think so. I just, I get them in due time. I need to make sure that they don't cause errors first. And mm-hmm. I'm not a first adopter. Gotta let some people <laughs> buy it first. Anyway,
1: um, we are, we have both grown up very techie. We have. Um, you know, I can remember in elementary school sitting on the, by, what was by that point an Apple computer playing Oregon Trail, um. Which I never finished. I don't think anybody ever finishes it. I think everybody dies of dysentery.
0: Nope.
1: Did you finish it?
0: Yep. You
1: finished Oregon yes. Trail.
0: And now I actually have a book somewhere, and I apologize. Right now in our remodel, I do actually have a book uh, that is day to day life, as told by Oregon Trail. I know I got it for you. I'm, I know that. I'm just bringing that out. So that's you know, you know. But uh, you know, I, I had the opportunity with the with the Nintendo and and. Uh, the original Sega Genesis. Can't forget the Atari before that. You know, gotta have I the did Atari have an Atari. With Pong and Tank and some of the other high-quality games. Hey, kids, are. if you go on Amazon right now, you can actually scroll through and you can get the throwback devices. Oh, no. know. We well, you know
1: Brayden got that one for Christmas, what, two years ago?
0: And so nothing better than Super Mario Brothers. In fact, on our trip to Walmart today where he's looking at a new gaming computer, he's got to have for Christmas. Uh, he, he talked about... Um, He's going to no.
1: have for Christmas?
0: No, he wants to have for Christmas. He wants to have for Christmas. By okay. Christmas. Just making sure. By Christmas. Uh, but uh, he, he talked about Minecraft. And uh, while I do like games, I still haven't gotten into that. But he really described it a lot like Super Mario Brothers. So Nintendo may have been a lot more forthright than... There you go. So, but got way off the topic of it.
1: Because we grew up with computers, um, we are not by any means scared of technology. Now, I say that. I will preface it with we each have different strengths. Um, David's is to build the things. I don't want to build the things. Um, But I can make the things once they're built. Uh, He also likes sound equipment. I don't. The concept of talking into mics for this is still freaking me out. And we've now been working on it for a little while. So, um... In general, though, if we have a tech problem, if our kids have a tech problem, one of the two of us can troubleshoot it. And if we can't troubleshoot it, one of the two children can troubleshoot it. Um, Unless
0: one of the two children's caused the technological problem, then it takes a little bit of time. To there is that. It.
1: Um, so when we look at how digital equity relates, and I'm using kind of our experiences as those of people that have been around technology. But for people that didn't grow up with technology, maybe their parents are older. Um, you know, one of the misconceptions right now about kids is you hear all the time how technologically savvy they are. And I would argue that they're not technologically savvy. They're very tablet or phone literate. But when you hand them a computer, a lot of times they have a hard time. Um, With our teachers, you have some teachers that went to school to become teachers. They had educational technology courses. That's been in their interest. You know, they've worked on it the whole time. But you look, uh, Alyssa has had some of the same teachers in high school that I had. Um, And there is a learning curve there. Because if they were teachers when I was in high school, and I graduated twenty something years ago, like
0: for those of you all don't know, she started scratching her head, like trying to hide that one just a little bit. But very true statement, you know. Graduated after he did, (laughs) Uh, which is very true. I just accept that though, you know. So uh, we can kind of go into that uh, in another episode. (laughs) But uh, you know, depending on when uh, what a school adopted stuff. Uh, You know, a lot of times they come in during the middle of the summer, toss in a smart board or something like that and say, hey, congratulations, you're welcome back. We're going to give you one one hour session on how to use a smart board and go to town. And, uh, you know, some of the classrooms left up the whiteboards and uh, the the teacher stayed there and (laughs) wouldn't wouldn't move on. So, you know, if you don't have that instruction in the classroom, how does that pass on to the students as well?
1: Right. And so what we saw happen um, specifically with digital equity Is in general, in a normal classroom, in a normal year, you have digital equity issues between classes, between schools, between districts. Um, Just simply based on the knowledge that everyone's bringing into the classroom. We are most definitely not in a normal school in a normal year. Uh, And all of those issues have been amplified. So that's kind of where we're going with it as far as it relates to students, teachers, and parents. Um, we have we had community issues. Uh, communities that sit next to each other when everybody went home for the pandemic required different things. Very much so. Um, some said everybody's going to online teaching. Some said, we're not doing online teaching. You have to come pick up packets. Some did some stuff in between. But you also have, in general, a difference in thought process about using technology and education across communities. Uh, and a lot of that is related to what business types are at the heart of that particular community.
0: So when we take a look at uh, just the community that we live in, uh, and this uh, normally comes up this time of the year uh, as, as this podcast is coming out, this episode is coming out, uh, one of the things that we start to get into is the winter weather. And and our community in itself is very widespread from what can be considered a suburban area. We're not uh, a, a really large metropolis. I would
1: so consider us rural.
0: But but there is a lot of resources that are in our right. area, which would, would kind of put us more in that suburban uh, slash rural area to very rural areas. Right, we've got um, some
1: some real real try, rural areas. Okay,
0: here. guys, uh, we're going to change this lesson and we're going to see how to say "real rural" three times uh, in a row. No, so one of the things that we see is. Uh, just in our area, and it's kind of interesting, going from your parents' house to ours, we'll have a rainstorm come through, and one of us will will say, hey, we just got a massive storm that came through, uh, uh, wind, rain, hail, and their house, which is just a few miles away from us, had absolutely nothing. Or they comment, you know, uh, Interstate 40 runs right through our, our town, or our right uh, through the uh, county, or right through the county, right through and, the middle, and... and Um, one side of the interstate will get absolutely slammed and the other side will not. But then when it comes to snow, we have parts of the town that uh, because they are very rural areas um, don't have or or don't get the sunlight and and snow actually takes us out. So that ends up affecting the entire school district. So as our school district took into this as a community, um, they started looking at those digital issues and trying to get students because we do have one-to-one issues uh, with technology in in our areas it's very very vastly different between the age ranges, which uh you get at here in a minute but um we have quite a few areas it really doesn't matter about the uh affluence of a area it's just rule enough that there is actually no access to um the internet acts or internet capabilities needed to run some of this stuff.
1: Well, I mean, and that's kind of, when you talk about the geography issues with digital equity, you know, my parents live seven minutes the way I drive away from us. Um,
0: You're saying that like I get there any faster.
1: I didn't say it was you. Okay. I'm not the one who pops up on life 360 with the same speed every day, driving to the high school. Um, But it takes roughly seven-ish minutes to get there. Um, And we both currently have the same internet provider. And they'll have problems and we don't. But then my grandfather's house is four minutes from our house. And the only way he can get internet is through a hotspot from his cell phone provider.
0: And even that is a degraded signal because oh, he's yeah. up with a lot of trees and, uh, you know, the, the access to the signal is.
1: It's in like one small part of his house. Right. And don't cough because the wind will cause issues. So for for our county, we had some huge digital equity issues just based on geography. Um, we have parts of our county that do not have Internet. Uh, Either it's up on a mountain or it's so far out off the beaten path that they just have not run that. So we've got some geography issues. Um, You know, you have those same types of issues everywhere. Uh, It just looks a little different. And then you have the whole money issue. So when I talk about the money issue, when we're talking about digital equity is, oh, yeah, all these things cost, right? So... When schools are expected to go one-to-one, that money has to come from somewhere. Um, And nobody wants to get political, but nobody also wants to pay more in taxes to go to schools to buy computers. Um, There are only so many grants you can write. And then there's that whole, well, then parents may just have to buy it. Well, but that may not be an option. Uh, And in our county, that's not an option. Um, we are not an affluent County by any stretch of the imagination. There are affluent parts of our County, but the County in general would not make any Forbes top anything list.
0: And we're <laughs> certainly not, uh, at the bottom of the list either. You know, that's one of those no. things that we sit kind of in the middle. And so there are different op- options, but in addition to that, uh, you're talking about the money, and, and then you have to go into what's valid for each uh, type. Uh, so when you look at age groups, well, again, we'll get to in a minute. But there are some trying to hand them a Chromebook or a MacBook uh, uh, that some have utilized to somebody that is in the the K3 kind of realm or, or P3 realm. That's that's not possible because again, they don't read, um, right. uh, or you know, they're just getting into understanding that. Uh, they, they understand keys and memorization. And so they can do some of that, but getting into that. So a lot of times those are more tablet based. Uh, and so you're looking at the, the difference of costs based on what your infrastructure needs as well. And so that may elevate those. And like you said, you know, uh, Hey, you know, all students are required to have this well in in most public school districts, if it's a a requirement, uh, then they have to provide it somehow.
1: Right. Well, and then you got to look at things like. Where we're talking about the infrastructure and the actual internet service, what does that cost to get out there? The reason my grandfather doesn't have internet at his house is because it costs so much to run internet out to his house. Uh, and it, he's not the only one on the mountain. That, I mean, there's a lot of people that live in, uh, that are living right there together. And it, it costs a lot to run those lines. Um, perhaps more to run those lines a place like here than it would a place in, I don't know, maybe Nebraska In Nebraska pretty flat.
0: Well, it, it can be, you know, they, they have theirs. Uh, but you know, just kind of kind of talking, that's one of the things that we were looking at, uh, you know, over the last several years, we've kind of taken a look at, uh, you know, the potential of, of moving ourselves to a different location. And we know that if we turn right out of our house, that one of the first questions we have to ask is, do you have access to these resources? uh, When we're talking about heating, you know, gas uh, capabilities and sewer and and water and Internet. Or if we turn left and we know we're good in all of those areas.
1: Right. I mean, and I'm not picking on Nebraska. That's just one of the states in the middle. Um, I grew up in the South. I remember hearing about there were these states that, They were just flat. You could just see for miles. Um, And we can see till the closest mountain. Um, But I know my boss is from Texas, and she talks about being able to see for miles. So I could use Texas, too.
0: You could use Texas. And and I've been across Texas... Uh, the long way going down I-10 all the way across. And there's some places that have hills and there's places that do not. And then you go across to I-40, which is very little. And you have a couple other states that you go through there. But you go through a lot of that area. Uh, until you get a little bit further West and then those mountains come back. Yeah. Uh, so yes, they, you know, but, uh, again, they, they have their own, but, uh, right. but they have does. their own issues, but so I, you know, I I've heard ranges in, in some areas, not very far from here that it's, it's just to, to bring a line from the road to their house was $3,000. Yeah. And that was in an area that actually had it pretty close to there. Right. Uh, and then when they started that installation, when they, when they built that house, um, that number started going up.
1: Oh, yeah. So. Uh, you know. So there's some definite money issues that are playing into digital equity, too, that have more than just simply what equipment we're going to hand out uh, and what equipment
0: we're going to use. So
1: if we look
0: at what? David's got his mouth open, so. I was going to go into the next question, which is where you are going as well. So we're going to see how that is. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit break this down into two primary areas. Uh, but what are the issues we've seen in the past surrounding digital equity?
1: Um. So at the P twelve
0: level, um, some
1: of the issues, and you kind of started it a few minutes ago when you were talking about the difference in age range. Um. So some of the equity issues that we've seen in the past can stem from what do we expect our students to know before we get there, but also just in general, what do we expect them maybe to take care of? Um, You know, if I have a MacBook computer and I need to go pick a student to hand it to, I can assure you it is not going to be a preschooler or a kindergartner. Probably not any elementary schooler. Probably not a middle schooler maybe a high schooler okay so we had that equity issue just in general Um, if you remember back when everybody really started getting excited about uh, technology in the classroom um, a few years ago which was a little funny because it was like we had never used technology in the classroom Uh, at some point we flipped our thinking that you know a typewriter had not been technology which it was we have all these things that
0: we've utilized it, it, and, and it still even t- ties to the computers we have today because the, the reason we have the keyboard that we have is because of the typewriter.
1: Right. So um, when we start looking at across the board, everybody started getting excited, and all of a sudden everybody and their brother was applying for grants to get iPad carts. Uh, And they were grants because, remember, they didn't get any extra funding to buy iPads because we were excited about it. Um, I could do a whole, like, probably three-part series on funding for schools, but I won't. But they weren't getting anything extra. So everybody writes trying to get grants. And so people got grants. And they bought their iPad carts. And so one of the first things that we started to see was you had one iPad cart in a school. So who gets it? Who gets to use it? And if two people need to use it, who takes priority? So that was kind of an issue that we were already seeing with digital equity. Um, you know, we don't want the little kids to have it because they'll beat them up. Or we don't want the older kids to have it because they'll do stupid things on them. Um, when technology was being given out by schools... You saw very different technologies going into different classrooms. Um, you may or may not see a smart board go into a kindergarten classroom, but you probably were going to see a smart board go into a high school classroom. And one of the interesting things in my mind about that was that we weren't asking the question, which teacher will utilize this more to enhance student learning? We were just divvying it up. Um... And that was at the P-12 level. Certain subjects tended to lend themselves more to technology or we think of them more with technology, right? So if we only had a certain number of computers or we only had one computer lab and a science class and an English class both wanted it, the science class probably would take priority. And that was kind of what we were seeing as we were growing up. Um, I know we had one computer lab at my high school. Um, and my high school was fairly large. It is still rather large. Um, but you know, there was a whole lot of give and take when you were scheduling a computer lab.
0: I think we had, uh, we had two, both of them were tied to the library, uh, at, uh, the high school I went to my junior and senior year. Uh, and the only reason we really had two is because at that point in time, through consolidation of the schools, uh, what was a middle school on one side of the road and a high school on the other side actually ended up being one high school, and both of them still had a library in it. So if you were primarily on one side, you still had access, and so we had computer labs that way.
1: So we saw that at the P-12 level, and it has continued. Like, it hasn't just quit. It hasn't gone away. Um, We still... If you walk into a school and ask them who gets priority on technology, they'll fight about it. That hasn't gone away. It hasn't. We also have it at the higher ed level. And again, you have it between academic areas. Um, science, math, business, nursing. Those tend to get lots of stuff um your humanities music education maybe doesn't get quite so much stuff we write grants in education right we're good at that
0: oh the humanities oh my word now, every time i hear that i gotta go back to sheldon and the, the uh... Big bang theory, but, uh, so I, I, do want to kind of go back and, and, and tie something from your last, our, our last, uh, uh, section in this one too, is not only are we having to buy into this stuff and, uh, take a look, um, and figure out who gets it first, but we have to, too look at the longevity of each of those items and the cost to replace them. And, and what we see a lot of times is, okay, we'll buy the first iteration and one of those high prime areas gets it first. And then the hand-me-downs go to another division uh, or another uh, age group and we buy new ones and right. how do we keep that sustainable so we may have been able to purchase through grants the first time but then we have to have the sustaining cost and you know one thing i've seen with uh, in, in a lot of places with the things like smart boards and, and such like that is they get the grant for the item and then, but
1: not for the operating system, but not
0: for the operating system, or the scheduled maintenance, and so all of a sudden, uh, you know they update the software that that runs the system and they don't have the ability to do that, or it quits working, uh, needs to be calibrated or whatever requirements that they have, and they don't have the funds necessary to bring in the service people, so then all of a sudden that technology goes uh, down, and they're not able to use it
1: right, and then the other one of the other, we have several issues, but one of the other big issues we had with equity was school, uh, school to school, university to university, college to college, community college to community college, um, technical college, to technical college, across the board, we don't see the same things. Um, and then when you, and I mean, we're talking schools within 30 minutes of each other had vastly different equipment and still have vastly different equipment. Um, and then one issue that we had that plagued us all and still plagues us all from preschool all the way up through a doctoral program is everybody wrote these grants and got these iPads and got these computers. We got to have an infrastructure. <laughs> we got to have internet.
0: <laughs> so one of the funny things is, is as you mentioned, we, we, we know of an institution that, Uh, Their first idea when iPads came about, so original iPad ones and uh, the information that was coming out from Apple and the education community at that point in time was, hey, these things are going to transform the way we do education. These instructors can do everything right here. They can take it in, beam it directly to their projector and and do all all good. And so they went out and bought, I think, a little over 600 of them and uh, basically placed them all on the network in one day.
1: And it shut down
0: and it shut down, not just for those iPads for, for everybody, everybody. the the all wireless users uh, that were uh, attached and all connected their their entire system went down they were able to access nothing well, now others did learn from that, which is a right. positive thing, and they did as well uh, they they have to test that architecture before they go forward uh, with that so
1: well, and the other issue that that plagues us across the board has been training um we bring in these new devices. Uh, and especially when you started seeing uh, iPads come into schools, iPads were a new thing. It, it wasn't like it was a new generation of an old thing. It was a totally new thing. Nobody knew how to use it. I can actually remember you kept telling me to get an iPad and I was like, what am I going to use it for? I can just take
0: notes. Well, and, and, you know, at that point in time, everybody, uh, what you first when, when, Apple and, and those others that started making tablets started coming out. Basically, it was, oh, my God, they're just making a large phone. Right. And, but that really wasn't it. And, no. And so the initial marketing came, came out, and, but it did. it transformed pretty much everything. It
1: transformed everything. And some school systems, some university systems, some colleges had funding to send tons of people to training. And some systems had nothing left because they had gotten the grant to buy the iPad or the tablet. Then they realized they had to build an infrastructure. So they did that with the little bit of money they had left over. And there wasn't anything left for training. Um, and training became on the teachers and on the professors to go find training. Um, and there are great places to find training. Uh, I'm not negating that, but... That is an issue we have had in the past, and it's still an issue. It is still an issue that, you know, some schools can send 30 people to a conference, and some schools can't send one uh, due to money or time or, you know, just short-staffed, whatever it is, Um, date conflict, it doesn't matter, whatever the conflict is. So that's been an issue is, okay, now we've got these things, And go use them in your classroom and change the world and change the face of education. But we can't tell you how to do it. And we're not really sure how you're going to find out how to do it.
0: And when they first came out, the idea was nobody knew how to do it. Um, It it was kind of come out, you know, education adopted, you know, because that's not necessarily the realm that... And we we talk about Apple, uh, but there, there were several tablets that came out. Right. And that wasn't where they touched first, but they, there were some in the larger uh, education contingents that said, hey, this would be great for education. So there wasn't anything there and they started coming together. And so it wasn't there. It was up to us. And so we sent them out and that's kind of the, the deal that happened with the network. The network shut down because it's like, hey, we've never had an opportunity to add that many devices to the network at the same time. Uh, so it, it really took them coming out and starting to be Deployed before people understood, but then they were put in people's hands very early, and they're like, "Hey, what, do, what do I do with this?"
1: Right, and and how do we take care of it? Right, was the other
0: issue. Um, so, how have these things been amplified during the pandemic?
1: So, in March, and I'm just using March because that was when everybody around here went home. Um, some of us knew we were going home to stay home. Some people went home from school on a Friday, and on Sunday found out they weren't going back, um, and all of their things were at their school. So it it was a very quick happening in March, um, and nobody knew how to do what they were doing. Um, some people had a couple days to figure it out. Some people had no time to figure it out, and some people had a couple weeks. To figure out, okay, you got to figure out how we're going to teach these classes to these kids. Right? And what we started to see was this issue of digital equity just grew and grew and grew. Um, In our county. Our county decided that uh, preschool through eighth grade would get packets. You had to come pick up packets. I think we were supposed to pick them up like every other week or something of work for the students to do but it wouldn't be graded it was just work to keep them up um okay so this is the point at which i will accept my mother of the year award for not picking up my middle school child's packets because i did not want to fight with him to do them because they weren't graded i had nothing that i could do and our school system took a lot of flack because they weren't, there were systems surrounding counties, they touch our county, that they were doing lessons online for everybody and everybody had to log on. One of the problems was not all of our kids had access. Uh, They either didn't have access to the internet or they didn't have a device. Our children in in our school system, middle schoolers, were one-to-one with a Chromebook. High schoolers were one-to-one with a Chromebook. Elementary schoolers, third through fifth grade had a combination of chromebooks or ipads and then there was one classroom set of ipads per grade i believe for under third grade so when they went home they didn't all have their stuff oh yeah and don't forget kids leave things at school like computers or chargers in our case we had two children with chromebooks and no chargers Luckily, my work computer charger works for both of their Chromebooks, so that's how that worked. Our high schooler was told, you need to log into Canvas, that's what our county uses, and your school stuff will be on there. Um, So when we came home, there was a lot of, okay, wait a minute, I got one kid doing stuff online, I got one kid that you just gave me a 40-page packet for, Um, what are we doing? then when you add into that that David and I came home and oh yeah teach your classes which when you talk about college classes most of us <laughs> me included I was like okay it'll be all right uh, I can zoom my classes and I'll zoom them at normal time you know I teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays so it's an hour and a half at a time of teaching talking to students um And at that point, I had two classes during the day, and then I had two night classes that were three hours each. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fine. And then David came home and had to teach.
0: On Tuesday and Thursday. All day.
1: All day. His classes were eight hours solid of teaching. So now you have three different people trying to be on Zoom or Teams all at the same time we didn't have the bandwidth
0: we thought we did
1: we thought we did we didn't then we got that increased
0: we got that fixed we did get that fixed. we we, we got the, got it troubleshooted got it fixed and...
1: and and then um our county our uh electrical provider decided that they were going to put in fiber for the internet and so david's in the middle of teaching one day i had just finished and there's a knock on the door, and I go out the door, and this guy goes, hey, just so you know, we're getting ready to cut your internet and power.
0: It should be 10 minutes.
1: It should be 10 minutes, but it could be...
0: 30 minutes or more.
1: 30 or more. So there was that, <laughs> right? Because we don't have
0: the same priority. You know, you go to the school system, and uh, if uh, an electrical uh, upgrade has to be made or a sewer system or water system or a gas system or or an internet system, uh, upgrade has to be made that affects a key infrastructure item, such as schools, it has to be scheduled. And so that way it doesn't disrupt the school period because we don't want to have kids at the school and not have water for, uh, for drinking, for bathrooms. We don't want to have a lack of electricity for uh, air conditioning, for uh, heat, <laughs> for... Um, just general function, then internet is, everything's connected, but the schools then became a house and we don't have that same thing. So they just come in and said, Hey, we're cutting you off. Well, we could have been in the middle, uh, middle of a hundred billion dollar deal. It did, really didn't, it didn't matter. matter. And and I did look
1: at him and say, can you give us five minutes, just uh, five minutes to yes. get everything wrapped up?
0: Hey, you know, and turn to my students like, Hey guys, I'm uh, sorry. We had all this fixed and, uh, evidently it's changing and log back on at this point in time because I couldn't say, hey, try to log back on in 10 minutes. And if I'm there, great. If not, wait another 30 minutes.
1: So we had that going on. But interestingly enough, um, one of the things that was amplified that people don't typically think about was the equity at the higher ed level. Um, Now, if you are looking at higher ed and you're looking at a community college um, a junior college, a place where students do not live there, then digital equity is probably on your mind because your students aren't there. You don't have, they're not living there. You don't know that they're being provided internet, right? You can go anywhere on my campus and have internet. Um, what we discovered and one of the problems I had was when we sent people home all over the South, not that all of our kids are from the South, but all over the South for us, uh, we have international students. We have a huge contingency of international students. Um, But, you know, I had kids going home that had no internet, which is not something you think about when you are dealing with students that are living in at a university or at a college. So that accessibility became a thing. Another issue that became amplified through the pandemic was accessibility. And by this, I don't mean access. I mean things like transcription. If you're going to do videos, there has to be captioning. There has to be a transcription. That That's an ADA thing.
0: And you have to take a look at what services are available, what uh, costs are going to be associated with that. In addition to that, what minimum requirements are there to say that that actually meets uh set requirements. So, uh, those are all spelled out and requirements that we have and there there'll be some opportunities as we mentioned on a previous podcast about grace where you're giving some time because something like as a pandemic doesn't occur every day right uh, every week and you know and the last time we really dealt with one is a decade ago uh so trying to figure that out when we didn't have the concerns of digital equity back at that right. point in time uh you know how do you do that so How have people dealt with these issues and moved past them to create educational opportunities uh, during or because of the pandemic? So, this is the
1: one area. um, There are not a lot of things right now that just make me feel good about humanity in general. Um, People are real ugly on a lot of different platforms in a lot of different ways. Um, But what I have seen is as these issues became bigger and loomed larger because of our pandemic, at first I saw a lot of grace being given by teachers, by students, by parents, by administrators. Everybody was, A, a little bit shell-shocked. Um, but people seemed a little more understanding of that. I have seen a ton more sharing of ideas. um when somebody figures out a new way to do stuff. I know, I mean, I work in in the School of Education and Counseling. I'm in the education department. And all of a sudden, although we all talk to each other and we'll say, hey, have you ever tried this? I tried it the other day and it worked really well. What happened in within our department was all of a sudden, every time somebody found a resource, we were shooting it out to each other. Hey, don't know if you need this, but here's a hint just in case, um, I am part of ISTI. I think David is too now, uh, a member of ISTI. And one of the things that ISTE does, and that's the International Society for Technology and Education, um, daily I get, it's called ISTI Connect. And it's an email and it it's basically just a forum where people go in, ask questions, give answers, um, Chit-chat back and forth, that kind of thing. And one of the things that I have seen happening more and more often is everybody and their brother is just contributing. Um, what, what idea do you have for this? Uh, and that's, in my mind, that's how people dealt with it. Uh, we became very inventive. Uh, how can I truly assess my students' knowledge? Does it have to be this thing that I've always done? Uh, I think people got a lot of new ideas out of necessity, right? Uh, creativity sometimes is born of necessity. And I think we started to see a lot of, okay, well, you know, in my case, I had a student that quite literally went home to a house that does not have electricity, much less internet. Um, she has to drive an hour from her house to get to the closest place with public Wi-Fi. And so figuring out ways to, as I made videos, to record them and get them to her in a format that would not just eat up bandwidth uh, so that she could watch them, so that she could could stay updated in the class. Um, Letting her call in, uh, maybe not be on the computer, and just call my cell phone and sit there on speakerphone to hear. You know, I feel like in education... And I, th- this is happening everywhere, but one of the things that I say so often is that when you get a group of teachers together, the question is, what do you want me to do? Just tell me what you want me to do. I'll do it, and I'll bend over backwards, and I'll flip upside down, and I'll teach, you know, on a cart, in a box, with a pair of socks, whatever. Just tell me what you need. Um, and that piece of it, I think, was truly inspiring to watch teachers sharing with teachers, learning from their students, uh, a, a true just meshing of ideas for how to do things.
0: So what are the key things to remember as we move forward?
1: Um, in my mind, I think the first thing we have to remember is that we have digital equity issues. Um, education is changed, period. It's We're never going to go back to what we were before the pandemic. Education will never look like it did last fall again um i don't mean that ugly we,
0: we may be in the classroom
1: we will be yeah
0: uh, be, and, and we see that already but uh, but with that we as instructors that we've have, we talked about in our first episode the teaching and triplicate being ready for a student that has to leave being ready for us that has to leave um looking at those digital access looking at so there's going to be every everything that we do from this point in time we have to look at where a student may be, where we may be, right, and, and such. So, yeah.
1: Um, I think we have to keep everything meaningful. Um, it is easy, uh, and we are all guilty of it, myself included, when we're sitting in a face-to-face class, uh, and you get irritated because your students just aren't getting it, or they're not doing what you asked them to do. Uh, maybe you asked them to read, and they didn't read, and so you decide you're going to give a pop quiz to prove to them that they have to read it doesn't really have a point. We're just trying to get them to do something. I think we have to keep in mind with this move into to digital, flexible, hybrid, virtual, whatever you want to call it, um, education, that as we do this and as we settle into whatever, although I hate the term, the new normal is going to be, because we are not there. I refuse to accept that what we're doing currently is our new normal. Um, But as we move into that, I feel like we have to remember to keep things meaningful. Um, It is too hard to do this and put forth things that don't mean anything. Um, The time for busy work, just to give busy work, is over. Um, And I think that's good.
0: There's... Busy work, uh, you know, uh, for the sake of busy work is not there. Busy work with an, a, a purpose has got key, but we we want to make sure that every assignment is tied uh, to the growth and development of our students. And, and that is a key. So are we delivering it in the most efficient means possible? So we give this, send it home, and, or do we require it here? What What is the purpose? Of, you know, it's, it's getting a little bit deeper into what assignment means and, uh, you know, kind of going back to, uh, previous kind of architected pathways, you know, where are we going with our classes? But each with that is how does each assignment and each assessment, both uh, formative and sub, uh, um, yep,
1: summative,
0: summative assessments. That, you know, are they, are they assessing what they want, uh, and are they doing it s- succinctly, succinctly as succinctly. possible? Ooh, this is <laughs> this is a, a long day already, um, but uh, you know, if, if we if we can get what we need out of 10 questions, why do a hundred?
1: Right. And then the, the third, I guess, key thing that I feel like we started learning during the pandemic and I just, um, hope beyond hope that we continue in this path is to remember the humanity of each other. Um, you know, we started thinking about things when we went into a pandemic, like, should we make kids turn their videos on? They might be embarrassed. As teachers, we started thinking about how do we build relationships with our students when we can't see them? Uh, You saw a huge surge in the Bitmoji classroom. Um, If you don't know what that is, Google it, uh, because it's all over the place. Uh, But how can we share of ourselves with our students when they're not sitting in our classroom? Uh, So remembering that humanity across the board, that's what helps us determine when to give grace. That's what will help us move past digital equity issues is to remember that we deal with humans um, and sometimes that's easy to forget when especially when we go digital
0: and, and i want to completely agree with you that uh, the humanity understanding uh, and a lot of mistakes were made a lot of mistakes are still being made as you said you know we're not uh, ever going back and so we're creating uh, we're charting you know if, if we were to take a a, a a count of the number of days since teaching occurred versus teaching the way we need to be teaching or, or or we have been teaching in this way. We're in the first day of teaching like we are right now. Tomorrow will be the first day of teaching as of yesterday. The you know, Tuesday is going to be the first day of that day. Next year we'll be measured against this year. Right. Uh, but we're still creating all those news. So
1: well and you know I keep telling you know, I work with the job embedded students that are that are teaching um, and I tell them as well as my undergrads and graduate students when we're when we're talking everybody became a first year teacher this year nobody's ever done this before there is no book on how to do this so if we can remember that humanity and give each other a little bit of grace and give ourselves a little bit of grace I think that's going to go a long way
0: so a lot of discussion about digital equity and we're probably only hit 1% of of the conversation that could be had. A key thing with all of these is is, uh, opening up conversation and kind of walking through. And and we are still learning a lot of this as we go. But uh, as we do with every week, uh, we're going to end with our tip or trick or uh, item of the week. and, And we're going to start with Rhonda today.
1: All right. So mine, interestingly enough, has to do with digital equity. Um, so one of the things that we talked about today is issues with bandwidth. And there are so many things that we do in education that we tried to move digital or have moved digital or are in the process of moving digital that we are having issues with simply because of bandwidth. Um, either our Internet is not strong enough. Um, we may be on a data plan that doesn't give us enough Download capabilities, anything like that. So my trick today, or tip today, I've got a couple things to keep for you to remember. If you're using Zoom or Teams or Google Meet or Google Hangout or any other version of that, um, if you share your screen, that uses a ton of bandwidth. So if you're wanting to show a document to your students, it's a great idea to either email them Or give them that document via the learning management system so that they can just simply pull it up and look at it instead of you trying to share it on your screen. Um, Then you can talk through it. That will help with the bandwidth issue. The other one is video. And video is a major issue with bandwidth, but it's also a major issue, as we've talked before, with privacy and um, student mental issues, student mental health issues whether they are confident, those kinds of things. So everybody got this idea, which I agree with, that we don't need to make our students turn their videos on. The problem with that is if you are like me, teaching to a bunch of little black boxes with names in them is torture. Um, I pull my energy from my students, much like the way a comedian draws energy from a crowd. So for me to be teaching to black boxes just doesn't work. So, my suggestion and what I have done in my classes is we choose a theme. Um, we're changing it every week or two. Uh, and my students put up pictures in that theme uh, so that at the very least we're looking at something other than just a black box with a name. Um, this helps them show a little bit of their personality. Uh, I have had students that, you know, I, I teach at the university level. Um, in my classes right now, we are in class one day, we are online another day, and I've had students that did not make a connection with each other as far as realizing they had anything common in person, face to face, but because of the pictures as we've changed them, they did. Um, so maybe it's your favorite pet, maybe it's your favorite food. Um, any, any, we did favorite sports team. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things you can do, but let them do those pictures. <laughs> and let them show a little bit of their personality that way.
0: And I, I was actually going to make mine the fact that everybody needed to go out in the, the daily life by the Oregon trail. Uh, however, I forgot what, uh, uh, where I actually put that in our uh, remodeling aspects. So uh, one of the things I'm going to mention today is, is just something to reach out to your, technological team in your school district, in your higher education institution. Uh, if you're a parent out there, uh, take a look at the the training resources that are out there. Uh, as teachers, Rhonda mentioned, ISTE is a great organization. Uh, and again, it's focused on that uh, uh, technology and ed- education aspect. And there's a ton of online uh, education because they, the, they, just like us, uh, have been going through everything COVID. In fact, they're uh, conference uh, this year has gone virtual as well, but they have a ton of, of, of recordings, uh, webinars, those kind of things that are out there. But uh, it, it it it's a joke. You go uh, into my household and uh, pretty much everything that we own is Apple based. Get out of your comfort zone because you may not uh, have students that are all Apple based and. Their first question is going to be to you if they have a problem, and if you can help them work through some of those, it's going to be key. So if you don't know some of the different resources that are available, then reach out to your tech team uh, and see and make yourself uncomfortable by going to some of those different devices and helping that prepare uh, the students uh, that you have in case they have a question. So. All right, so next week, uh, we're going to get into talking about soft skills. Uh, we've kind of referenced them a couple times in the last couple podcasts, uh, but especially on the higher education side, something we see quite a lot uh, dealing with our kids as well here at the house, uh, you know, when to be up. And, and just because you don't want to get up, what, what impact does that have on the the next person? Uh, Alyssa has is, is started to realize this here recently. Uh, as she's helped to take Brayden to school. And she's she's made comments recently about, oh, I'm so sorry <laughs> about... Running making, you late run, for three years. Running you late for all these years. And and uh, so next, uh, next week, we're talking about soft skills and uh, what we think needs to be included in academic curriculums. And this, again, is one that's going to hit all age groups. Uh, so it's going to be another great episode to pay attention to.
1: All right. So we always like... <laughs> I can't talk today. So we always look forward to recording these episodes and uh, love engaging with each of you. So please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. But also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Um, the Twitter for the podcast is at Perfect Chaos 7 That's the number seven at the end. And that's a great place to find out uh, fun announcements and also Tweet us your ideas if we you want us to talk about something. That's how you can let us know. And then you can follow us personally. Mine is at Doctor, so D R R Blevins, and David's is
0: at D S Blev D S B L E V.
1: So until next week, remain calm in your perfect chaos.